The Automotive News Europe podcast is brought to you by Hyundai Motor Europe, one of the leading providers of electrified mobility solutions in Europe. From hybrid and battery electric to fuel cell vehicles, Hyundai is paving the way to make environmentally friendly mobility available to all. Hello and welcome to the Automotive News Europe podcast for April 15th, 2021. I'm Doug Bolduck, Managing Editor at A&E. Thanks so much for joining us today. The European supplier industry has been hammered by the pandemic. Revenue was down by an estimated 20% and tens of thousands of jobs were lost last year. And while Sigrid de Vries, who is the Secretary General at European Supplier Organization, CLEPA, says uncertainty continues to reign for component makers, the gloom has started to lift. Nearly 40% of suppliers have a positive outlook. That's up from 8% last autumn, based on a study done by CLEPA and analyst firm McKinsey. This bullishness exists despite another crisis, the ongoing global shortage of microchips. DeVries shares some ideas on how to address the chip shortage in Europe and tells us why Kleppa believes electrification should not be the only option for reducing vehicle emissions in Europe. Hi, Sigrid. Thanks so much for joining us today for the Automotive News Europe podcast. Hi, Doug. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks. How is the supply base coping in 2021 with these ongoing constraints, such as the pandemic, the chip shortage, and other upheavals? I would say uncertainty really is the name of the game. And of course, you know, the automotive industry is famous for being able to adapt and to change. And there have been many transformations also in the history of this sector. It's part of their DNA. Uh, but of course, we're, we're, we're in a kind of perfect storm with the pandemic, with the uh, the, the shortages now on top of it, um, with the uh, huge transformation that industry is going through in any case towards uh, green and, and smart mobility. So, yeah, they, they need to do what they do best, which is uh, adapt, anticipate, innovate. And that's what you see all around. That's what I see in, in the membership of CLIPA. Um, that's what they, what they tell me. The challenges are huge. Um, but there is always optimism as well that they can deal with it, they will deal with it, uh, and they will find solutions uh, to, to come out stronger. And you see that also from the latest uh, CLIPA pulse check barometer. Others are focusing on their strengths within their own portfolios or choosing to, to spend more on R&D actually to, to develop new technologies. So it's in all, I think, a, a very challenging but also, also a very positive story where they need to, to deal with many, many uh, issues at, at the same time. You brought up the recent report that Kleppa did with McKinsey, and there seemed to be some bullishness cited in that report. Can you give us a little bit of an insight as to why the suppliers were saying, yes, we're actually looking at 2021 as potentially being a very good year for us? Change accelerates a lot of things. So it accelerates the need to take measures to, to save costs, to be more focused. And, and I think a lot of that was happening because of this huge transformation the industry is facing anyway, but it was accelerated by the pandemic. So at first there was a lot of nervousness and uncertainty. Also, 
very foggy outlook. When are things going to change for the better? I think this has changed in 2021. There's still a lot of uncertainty, but suppliers feel, I think, better positioned in better shape to deal with it. And now they're trying to benefit from this acceleration. And, and that's also what you see from the, the Clipper Pulse check. So uh, only 4% of uh, respondents do not see any major change, any dramatic change in, in their businesses. Well, that's, that's a very low percentage, very low share. And nine out of 10 uh, suppliers actually tell us that they are um, going to make significant changes in their product portfolios, which is again, a, a large number and it signifies this change and this, and also I think this, this appetite for change uh, as much as the need for change. What were the most surprising findings from the report? Was there anything that stuck out in your mind as being, well, I, I didn't expect that? I think it was the robustness of the outlook being so positive. Uh, we saw in September last year only 8% of suppliers being positive about their outlook and, and the 68% being very negative. And now in February, this changed to 38% being positive, still 31% being negative, but nevertheless, significant change. And this was as it, at a time that the pandemic wasn't over, it's still not over, of course, and that the semiconductor shortages and other shortages had already hit. And I could add to that also the lo logistical challenges, logistic capacity also being uh, limited and, and under pressure at the moment. So, but nevertheless, this very robust, uh, positive outlook. We'll continue our conversation with Sigrid de Vries after this message. Hyundai Motor is one of the leading providers of electrified mobility solutions in Europe. With hybrid, mild hybrid, plug-in hybrid, battery electric, and hydrogen fuel cell vehicles, Hyundai offers the most diverse lineup of alternative powertrains on the market. Under the vision of Progress for Humanity, the company aims to make high-quality, environmentally conscious mobility solutions available to all. Today, more than 75% of Hyundai's lineup in Europe is available as an electrified version. As a pioneer in zero-emission mobility, Hyundai offers a range of leading emission-free vehicles. It ranges from the full-electric subcompact SUV Kona Electric to the second-generation fuel cell electric vehicle Nexo. The company's progressive spirit is most strongly embodied in Ionic 5, its latest all-electric vehicle and the first model to be launched under the Ionic lineup brand. With outstanding range, ultra-fast charging technology, and unique interior, which functions as a smart living space, Ionic 5 is redefining electromobility lifestyles. With its fleet of fuel cell trucks, Hyundai is also ahead in zero-emission heavy-duty mobility solutions. By 2025, over 1,600 Exxion fuel cell trucks will run on Swiss roads. To learn more about how Hyundai is shaping the future, tune into Are We There Yet?, an automotive podcast hosted by Susie Perry. Get a peek behind the curtain as Susie investigates the world-changing ideas coming out of the workshops, labs, and secret test tracks of Hyundai. Tune in on any podcast listening platform as well as Hyundai.news. I'd like to circle back a little bit to something we've talked about Briefly in this conversation is the chip shortage and wanted to get sort of a reading from you on how the chip shortage is impacting the supplier industry. The impact is severe. 
um, because of course the the share of, of, of software and, and, and related applications in automotive is increasing rapidly so it's not just that the share of that uh, pie or the, of the business is larger but it's also an area of, of huge demand and and uh, growth that we can see and, and that's predicted marrying those two very different ways of doing business with uh, the just-in-time production uh, practices of the automotive industry uh, with the, the long planning and requirements that come from from the chip sector that there there are lessons needed to be learned better communications needed to be set up and um, and I think they're um, both sectors are of course very interested in each other automotive may not be the biggest chunk of the, of the pie for for the chip sector at this stage but I mean look at Europe 37 percent of all demand for chips in Europe comes from automotive globally it may be only 10 percent but in Europe it's it's a large share so there is an interest on both sides to to work with each other and accommodate each other I wanted to talk a little bit more about that and get your views on whether Kleppa believes that Europe should have a more robust chip production network. It's not just the question of huge investments that would need to be made in a, in a, in a manufacturing facility, but also whether there will be a market. In the end, you would need a market for, for the products that would be produced. And automotive can absolutely be an important part of the market, but not the only one. So then you need to to, to answer questions on the advancement of the technologies. What exactly would we manufacture here? Um, what is needed for automotive, for other applications? And there, I think more fact-finding is currently being done, both on the side of industry, by policymakers, and again, also as Clippa, we're trying to, to, put in, to give input uh, to, to that discussion to make sure that in the end, uh, you, you, you don't end up with a situation like with, uh, with solar panels, where you throw a lot of money at it and then in the end the the manufacturing and, and market goes to to china after all so you would want to get it right uh, there's uh, there would be a need for a lot of funding a lot of investments and um and i think that's why it's good that partners and parties are looking to do these things together so they share a bit of, of the risk but it's important questions but very right i think for europe also to consider it uh, critical and, and key technologies are going to be essential for the future competitiveness of, of Europe, also in, in the global arena. Uh, and, and that's, of course, uh, yeah, a very important topic. Suppliers are also really at the forefront of helping deal with the increased demand for batteries, the move to autonomous driving, as well as connectivity. Can you tell us a little bit about how encouraged you are when it comes to how the supplier industry in Europe is adapting to these mega trends in order to try to really capitalize on them. Yeah, they're really well positioned because their their strength lies in R and I, R and D, um, and and being innovative and coming forth with solutions to solve these problems that society has, and also to work with their clients to bring to market uh, solutions and products that that they can sell, of course, to to the end consumer. So. I think the industry is well positioned, but the challenges are used. Let's let's not kid ourselves about that either. And what we as Clippa, of course, argue about a lot with policymakers uh, is 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 the framework conditions. Are they the right ones? Uh, do do they stimulate and encourage innovation rather than uh, stifling and, and and blocking progress? And this is where we have real worries. The 
target that the European Commission is going to propose this June uh, on CO2 emission reduction for uh, vehicles, for cars uh, notably, and then towards the end of the year on Euro 7, so pollutant emissions, they are really going to mark the fate of the internal combustion engine, well, at least in Europe. I mean, it's, it's that serious. So the Commission set out a strategy last year on making the EU climate neutral by 2050, and they're now getting into the how are we going to do this stage. So coming out with concrete proposals, then it will again take another year and a half or two for the member states and the European Parliament to also conclude. So we're not, you know, at the end of the process, but still an important milestone in, in June. And what we see in Brussels and in a significant number of uh, capitals across Europe as well is a strong bias for battery electric vehicles as really the one and only solution to make mobility climate neutral. And it's a very difficult discussion to have and to get out of the dogmatic we need all to be electric. As soon as you say something else, you're, you know, put in the in, in the in the field of those that are anti-climate uh, neutrality, which is, of course, nonsense. I mean, the uh, as you said, the supply industry is fully engaged in all these technologies that are needed uh, to make the powertrain uh, electric, and they're fully, fully in favor, behind the ambitions. And it's all happening as we speak. And, and it's a, a great, a really good solution for many types of mobility, but it's not the only one. So. The supply industry is not trying to slow anything down. The direction of travel and the speed of the journey, they, they are crystal clear. But it should be an inclusive uh, strategy. And, and we shouldn't be dogmatic about one solution, which is clearly not uh, the wisest uh, approach. So there we have a lot of talk with policymakers, with other stakeholders in this whole field as well, and, and, and really try to bring a bit of the complexity in, into the discussion that we're, we're missing at the moment. The real conundrum is that it's going to be a very small percentage of suppliers that will benefit if you only have basically battery electric cars or potentially fuel cell cars that are allowed on roads. Isn't there an option or a way for us to have other technologies out there? Absolutely. And um, we'll need all, all these technologies, even with these very uh, strict targets for 2030 and for 2050, and even if they would become more strict, we will still see a lot of uh, combustion engine technology being needed on the roads. So yes, electrification is a great solution, but we need the mix of technologies. And we believe strongly that uh, in order to make this mix possible of technologies, policymakers should also include e-fuels, so renewable fuels uh, in into the mix. They need to defossilize energy but also defossilize fuels and um, running a combustion engine vehicle with renewable fuels is a viable option and it can also be clean from a from an air pollution perspective are you finding that you guys have had to sort of negotiate from your back foot because they're automatically just fed up and they really only want these solutions because they say we just don't want to have another diesel scandal situation. I think credibility has been hurt. Some actors in the 
Brussels bubble have really given up on the automotive industry, especially among some of the, the greener NGOs. But many also can place this into context. You know, in, in previous years, also when uh, CO2 emission regulation was first drafted and, and shaped, things were, were more simple. You could regulate the product, the vehicle in this case, uh, and uh, require that it uh, would emit less uh, CO2. Today, with the question of electrification, it's much more complex. You need many more actors to play ball. You need the charging infrastructure in place, and, that, and that's the responsibility of others to deliver that. You need the energy to be uh, green and, and renewable. You need consumers to change their mindsets, to get used to a different way of driving, uh, also may, maybe a different way of planning their mobility, that they need to take the charging into account. And, uh, and then there's the technology question. So uh, the world has become more complex um, and that needs to be reflected also in, uh, in the decisions that policymakers uh, take. And then it's simply too simple to say, okay, we don't trust you, so we don't talk to you. And fortunately, that's, that's an attitude that you see with some, but, uh, but of course not, not with all. This is an industry, only the supply industry employs 1.7 million people across Europe. And that's on top of the 1.2 million with, uh, with vehicle manufacturers. So it's a huge sector. There is a lot at stake. While vehicle production is expected to go down, there is still a real steady rise in the number of new automotive players, especially in the EV sector. Are these new players a boon for suppliers because they have the potential to build more complete systems? I fully agree with what you said, that there is a, a lot of reliance, I would say, on what you might call the more traditional suppliers for their competence and their understanding of vehicle architecture. I think some of the newer players have made that experience themselves, that it sounds perhaps m much more easy than it actually is. If you need to build a vehicle which is a, a volume project, product and it needs to come off these production lines in, in large volumes um, prepared for a long lifetime, very advanced. I mean, this, this is, a, is about a skill and, and a competence uh, that's, that's not easy to acquire in just, you know, one, two, three years. And I think that's where suppliers, especially those that have a lot of knowledge about system integration, that are increasingly also, I think, better about understanding the end, the end consumer and what they want, I think they have an advantage and they will be very sought after and they can, uh, they can make good business. Sigrid, it has been such a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks so much for joining us today for the Automotive News Europe podcast. Thanks. Pleasure is fully mine. Thank you. We reached Sigrid de Vries at her office in Brussels. If you have an idea for a future podcast or would like to be a guest on the show, please reach out to me at dbolduck at autonews.com. For breaking news, please visit europe.autonews.com. You can listen to this podcast and a range of others from the Automotive News Group on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play, or on our website at europe.autonews.com. That wraps up this episode of the Automotive News Europe podcast for April 15th, 2021. I'm Doug Bolduck, Managing Editor at A&E. Thanks so much for stopping by. 
We hope you'll tune in again soon.